It's like daily. It's so hard to be a, a Penguins fan. Welcome back to Where's My Stick? I'm Danielle. I'm Christy. And we have a Penguins. Yeah, we have a oh. Penguin-centric episode for, for today's podcast. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, Taylor Haas from DK Pittsburgh Sports joins us to talk all about the Penguins to get ready for the upcoming season. But before we jump into that interview, or before we start jump into that conversation, um, the Penguins are, well, the Penguins are the Penguins. So we have, there's, there's some really shitty things uh, that we're going to talk about beforehand. Before we jump into it, I just want to say trigger warning to anyone um, about sexual assault. We're not going to go into the assault, but just want to give a heads up just in case, you know, keep everybody safe. Um, so, yeah, just a warning. We're about to talk about that. So, <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, if if you don't want to listen to this, absolutely okay. Um, but we will have the timestamp in the notes, the show notes. So, just skip ahead to the number we have down there to listen to the the conversation with Taylor. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get jump into this uh, article. So, Rick Westhead, who is a TSN hockey reporter, reported out on December 8th. Um, he he reported that the Penguins told AHL coach to stay quiet about wife's sexual assault um, per a lawsuit that has come out. So the Pittsburgh Penguins were accused in a lawsuit of hiring and retaining a coach that they knew to be a serial sexual harasser who alleged to have assaulted another coach's wife during a team road trip. So um, the assistant coach who accused uh, the AHL coach was Scaldi? Scaldi? Scaldi, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, Scaldi's. And the the coach was um, Penguins, or the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, former coach Donatelli. So this incident happened in November of 2018 during, like the the article says, during a team road trip where Scaldi's wife uh, was with the team and Donatelli um, sexually assaulted her. So in this article, the Penguins lawyer uh, released a statement saying the team investigated and took immediate action in June of 2019 when notified of the alleged incident, uh, which Mr. Scaldi reported seven months after it allegedly occurred. The Penguins lawyer specifically said said that Scaldi continued to coach for the team in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton for an additional year when his contract was not renewed due to the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The allegations made against the team have no merit, and we have moved to dismiss the complaint. However, the article from Rick Westhead, which we will, of course, link in the show notes, um, really focused on, like, some important parts. Like, so, like I said, the Penguins lawyer talked about the time frame, and in the article, Scaldi comments, Scaldi commented in saying that they didn't immediately report this the assault to the Penguins because they they never experienced something like this. And Scaldi went to Donatelli and confronted him, and Donatelli claimed that he was too drunk to recall what actually happened. But six days later, he met with Scaldi and apologized. Donatelli pledged to Mr. and Ms. Scaldi that. He would change his ways, seek help, come forward to the Penn's assistant general manager, Bill Guerin, um, about what he did. However, Donatelli did not follow through, so Scaldi reported the sexual assault to Guerin at the NHL draft in Vancouver, which was held June 21st in 2019. Four days later, Scaldi, just the assistant coach, met with the Penguins lawyer to discuss the assault. The Penguins apparently never contract, uh, contacted Aaron, his wife, who you know, was assaulted, to, to figure out what happened, nor to right. apos- apologize for the assault or provide any support or remorse. This is per the Scaldis. Then it was said that Garen later advised Mr. Scaldi that the Penguins were terminating Donatelli's employment, but instructed Mr. Scaldi to acknowledge 
though, to instructed that the knowledge of the incident and termination must be suppressed, cautioning uh, that it has to stay quiet and can't be let out. On June 28th in 2019, so about a little bit over a month, the Penguins announced Donatelli had resigned for personal reasons, which, you know, just a side note, that's disgusting because we talked about it and we had no idea this was happening, but or what was happening behind the scenes. We just were like, yeah, Donatelli left. So uh, that's awful. But the article <laughs> goes into Gross. talk about how, you know, the Scaldies also didn't really didn't want to bring it up to the Penguins at first because they were scared of retaliation. And so Don, right. um, Scaldi said that in the 2019-20 AHL season, the Penguins stripped Scaldi of his duties coaching the power play units. And he said eight months later on May 5th, 2020, Scaldi said the Penguins fired him, telling him his job had been eliminated because of the COVID-19 related cutbacks. However, uh, the article goes into detail saying that out of the 21 employees handling <clears throat> hockey operations for the Penguins, team management only selected Mr. Scoldy for termination and told him that he it had nothing to do with his performance, which had been great. This is in the lawsuit. But of course, Scaldi also happened to be the only one who had complained about the unlawful sexual assault and battery of his wife by the Penguins coach. And then Scaldi goes on to say in the 22-page claim that they learned that, and I quote, countless other episodes of inappropriate conduct had been done by Mr. Donatelli, sexual and otherwise, which apparently the Penguins were aware of but did little or nothing to stop. Donatelli's misconduct was well known by the Penguins management but tolerated because he was a successful coach. So this was all in the um, article that came out on December 8th. I don't even, like I don't even know what to say. This is just disgusting. Yeah. Outside of like retaining him or whatever, the penguins like the fact that they fired him is the only redeeming thing that the penguins did. Like they never contacted like, his wife. Yeah. Yeah. They they like suppressed it or whatever. Even when like when they said that he had to when they mentioned that he left for personal reasons, like, it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, when Rick Bonus he was relieved yeah. of his duties in um, in Dallas. And then I, I, I remember being really like, oh, no, like, what? why aren't they saying anything? Because normally Wait, Jim Montgomery if in Dallas? What did I say? <laughs> Rick, I said Bonus. Rick Bonus. <laughs> I was like, no, he's a coach now. He's sweet. Oh, um, yeah. When Jim Montgomery... Um, you know, when he left the team, it was, like, very shrouded and mystery, yeah. and people were kind yeah. of curious about it. But, like, well, maybe because this is an AHL team, people were kind of just, I don't remember it being that big of a deal when he no, left. No, it and, wasn't, because it made it seem like, you know, maybe this was something happening to, like, personal reasons with his family or, right. you know, his health or something like that. And the fact that the Penguins, it was really weird because right after like uh, as they said that Donatelli was stepping down they had a new coach who is now the Penguins uh, assistant coach now but he he was the coach that won the Calder Mm. Cup in the AHL with the Charlotte Checkers so I mean you kind of couldn't really be mad that Donatelli was leaving because you had like a champion a coach that just won coaching the new team so it was just really weird but I mean I don't know if you don't follow Wilkesbury Scranton that closely. Like, I don't really think this is something that you focus on because it doesn't affect the Penguins at the AHL level. So, but this just looks horrible. And, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time of recording, the Penguins have yet to release a statement. But um, on December 9th, Minnesota released this, or their spokesperson released two statements, one from the organization saying that the Minnesota Wild has discussed the matter with Bill Guerin and fully support him. As this is a matter of active litigation, we have a no further comment. And then a statement specifically from Bill Guerin, where he said, when I learned of these allegations, I promptly brought them to the Pittsburgh Penguins senior management. The allegations were quickly investigated and emphatically denied anything to the contrary. Oh, and I emphatically deny anything to the contrary. Like overall, it's just, 
it's what this is just disgusting like I, I yeah like it just seems like there's a lot of cover-up and mm-hmm. I and I absolutely believe the penguins would cover something like this up yes yeah um it's just like everything that the scaldy thing it mirror victims say like yeah. when they get to trial or to tell people because they don't know know how to handle it people not believing their story right away or or like a time frame like like a statute of limitations issue comes up and it's that's so frustrating because something happened to this something happened to this woman woman and the fact that it took her seven months tells you that it wasn't it wasn't okay or it took them seven months to like report it and then it's like it's like this happened to her the guy that did it like gets to walk away freely and her husband gets fired and like no one apologized to her like no one like she's just in the background of this whole story and maybe I don't know if it's maybe because she wants to be and that's her right but I just I don't know it's just very it's just a horrible situation and it's Honestly, I mean, I don't have, yeah, and I don't have, like, a lot of faith in the Penguins that they did the right thing, because apparently this isn't the first time something like this has happened under Bill Guerin, like, as he being the head of a team, Mm -hmm. um, or, like, the team's GM, so apparently something similar happened in Wheeling, uh, with the Wheeling Nailers, which is the Penguins' ECHL team, so this looks horrible in Pittsburgh, and... It's just the worst. It's just frustrating to me is that, you know, not a lot of outlets like have really dived into this. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we have the, we'll, we'll link the article that we're referencing, which is a TSN article. And I know that DK uh, Pittsburgh Sports has written an article on this or has written an article on this. But do you think that the Penguins or the Pittsburgh Athletic has written anything about this? No. no, because they don't want to lose their access. Yeah, like they're literally mouthpieces for the team and they're quiet. And so you, it just, obviously they're mimicking the team being quiet. And that just makes me feel like they're, like this is absolutely what happened. Like obviously I, I you know, I believe the reports, but this is just like kind of like. Like you always, you always gear towards like the victim and their story, but the actions of like the penguins and people that are close to the penguins just reaffirm it in my mind that the penguins absolutely were wrong in the situation and just how they handled everything. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep our eye out on this article and, you know, everything that's going on. It's like... Daily, it's so hard to be a, a Penguins fan. Every day. Yeah. So with that, let's pivot to the on-ice play of the the NHL team. So, yeah, we'll get into our conversation with Taylor now. All right. So like we previewed, we have Taylor Haas here, who is a Penguins writer for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Taylor, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. I, I'm i freaking out because I've been following you since I started watching the Penguins. So this is super exciting. And, awesome. <laughs> yeah. and you like don't just follow or like know all about the Penguins. Like you follow the AHL team, the ECHL team and their prospects. So I don't know how you have the time, but I'm <laughs> definitely thankful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I started out, you know, writing about about the prospects and Wheeling and Wilkes-Barre just because that's what I was really interested in to start so I started doing that before I you know started doing doing Pittsburgh but yeah it's so fun following the young guys and getting to know them uh you know before they make it to the NHL yeah that's true it's more rewarding right like when you see them actually make it it's you just feel like you were there when they were drafted and like when they started out so that's awesome Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, you get to build relationships with these guys doing interviews when they're down in the minors. And um, the past couple guys, you know, when they've gotten called up for the first time, you know, I, I already know them. So I, I I reach out to them like the day they get called up and like do like a one on one interview over the phone. Mm-hmm. So I get to talk to them about the call up before, you know, they get to practice <laughs> and, and all. 
it's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right. So let's just jump into our questions. So the first thing that we have for you is, um, speaking of the Penguins, what do you think were the best and worst moves that they made this long off season? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the best move they did was the the changes to the, the coaching staff, you know, getting rid of the assistant coach and then uh, bringing in Reardon and, and Volucci, um, you know, because Reardon is going to be focusing on the defense and the power play and the power play has really, you know, been an issue as of late. Yeah. And, you know, Reardon, I think he could really turn that around. And, you know, when he was around before, that's when, you know, Latang was was really at, you know, his peak. And mm-hmm. um, if, if Reardon can help, you know, get him back up to where, he, you know, he was before in his game and, you know, help those younger defensemen, I think that'll be great, too. And then um, Volucci just uh, covering him in, when he was in Wilkes-Barre. I mean, he, he's such a good coach and he's really deserved this opportunity, you know, at the NHL level for a while. And I know he's gotten offers before, but he said it was never the right move. But mm. um yeah, he's just, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for him, too, because, I mean, it's been a long time coming for him. Um, the worst move, I, I just, I, I think they should have gone after Dominic Cahoon, because if you look at what he signed for, it was a little under a million. Yeah. Um, I think it was a mistake, mistake not going after him. I mean, he can play center in both wings. So, I mean, if you look at who they probably have penciled in on the third line, I, you know, I'd take him over Rodriguez, I think. And Rodriguez signed mm-hmm. for, for league minimum. Um, they, they could have, you know, fit Cahoon in over Rodriguez. Uh, maybe Jankowski could have been better than, I don't know. I just think they should have should have pursued that. Um, the Hornquist trade, I don't hate it. Um, but I think, you know, that, that Matheson contract is going to be an issue. Um, in a couple years, I mean, he's making almost... Five million a year, yeah. a year for six more years. I, that's especially with the flat cap. We don't know when it's going to go up. Uh, that could hurt them. Yeah, that was such an interesting move because it it happened when we knew the cap was going to be flat, right? Like it was like you right. know you don't have that much money, and Pittsburgh yeah. never has that much money to spend. <laughs> so it's like, why would you not waste that money? But I don't know. I'm trying to give Matheson the benefit of the doubt before, like you know, once he starts playing then I'll show my real opinion but <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to realize <laughs> but it's also people... like he's our he's like our second highest paid defenseman but he's not <laughs> gonna be like he's not gonna be number two in minutes or just like in anything so yeah what a strange move yeah I, I mean and he is you know an improvement on the third pairing for sure yeah. and that was a big hole so I mean there is value in bringing him in it's just I, you know, <laughs> you replace the Jack Johnson contract for that. Not, not ideal. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was really interesting that you talked about Cahoon because when he was like, I, you know, I know that he was kind of polarizing to the fan base, but I just thought that he added so much to the team. And like, he was one of those guys that you can kind of fit in up and down the lineup, which is a guy that you really need in Pittsburgh because their lines are always changing. So I definitely agree with you that that was a move that was surprising, but also I I don't, I don't really get why they didn't uh, go after him. Yeah. And I mean, if you think like long-term too, I mean, he has a higher ceiling than Rodriguez does. Yeah. So, I mean, that would have been nice to see what he could grow into, but you know, he's an oiler now playing with dry title. So (laughs) (laughs) great. And he'll like, He'll probably have a fantastic season, which will burn oh, my heart, sure. but it's fine. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring up the Cody CC signing. You know, I <laughs> I looked into, um, you know, I did like an analysis piece on him. And I, again, I don't think he was probably the best option either for the third defense pairing. But looking at like the underlying, you know, advanced numbers, he, he doesn't make that great of an impact you know positively but he also doesn't really hurt the team that bad when he's on the ice um I think he's fine for the third pairing I don't I don't hate it but uh definitely not great yeah that's fair it's just I don't know for me it's just (laughs) embarrassing <laughs> so like we just got rid of Jack Johnson and we're all just like so relieved and then as a joke I was like well they could always sign Cody CC and then like 
two days later they did it. Oh, I saw I saw a lot of fans make you know I follow a lot of fans on Twitter and I saw a lot of them before you know saying mm-hmm. like we better not go after Cece now with you know this space and then uh, they did. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he pans out and if you know he doesn't fit. Um, there's a couple young defensemen who could uh, you know make that jump and you can scratch Cece. Yeah, and the the contract wasn't that bad because it's only for a year, so. Yeah, that's why I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. One move I thought you were going to talk about was the Kapanen move, and so, oh gosh, (laughs) let's get into that. So Sullivan says, uh, or has said, that Kapanen will most likely start on Sid's wing, and you also see, like, contrasting opinions because those who have watched Kapanen say that he just doesn't have the hockey IQ to play in the top six with talented wingers uh, or talented talented centers. I'm sorry. So where do you fall on that issue and what do you think will most likely happen? Yeah, you know, I think the the third member of, of Sid's line really needs to be someone with a good two-way game. Um, and, and Kapanen has that. And I mean, uh, I, I, I did another, you know, analysis piece on him where I looked at, um, you know, players who are normally on that line with him, like when, you know, Simone, when they were playing well, um, Sherry during the, the cup run and, and the players that are there are normally very aggressive for checkers. And you can, you know, quantify that by looking at, um, you know, the rate of turnovers they forced. And I look, you know, Kapanen the turnovers he was forcing really the same rate as, you know, Sherry was when that line was good a couple of years ago. And, you know, Simone in, in 18, went when, when they were having uh, success. So I think he can do that. Um, and I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, everyone's been saying they need to get faster and Kapanen. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on the team now, if not the fastest. So um, I think that that energy that he could bring to that line might make up for what you know people see as a as a as a lack in his hockey IQ. That's fair. Uh, what did you think of the trade? Like how much the Penguins gave up, basically for Kapanen? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably overpaid. You know, a little. And I know, I know people. You know, I saw people talk like, oh, they paid you know two first round picks for Kapanen, but. Um, I mean, not really, because you look at, you know, the Kapanen they had at first was not this player at all. He was very offense first, really, you know, mm-hmm. a one-dimensional player. And when he went to Toronto, you know, they put him in the Marlies for a while, and he really learned how to have that good two-way game, and he, he became a really effective penalty killer for them. So, I, I mean, I you're getting back a completely different player than you had when you had him the first time. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, the other pieces, you know, they gave up. Well, I mean, Rodriguez, they got back. <laughs> um, I, it, it, nothing that big of a loss, I think, you know. That's fair. I think for myself, I was just so shocked that they, well, I was shocked that the Penguins had a first round pick. And the fact that it was just <laughs> so high in the draft, I was like, you have to take a player here. And to just get back Kapanen, I mean, plus whatever, it. I don't know. It, to me, I definitely feel like they they paid too much just because of just what like how all the other teams are and like with the cap. I felt like you can make a another deal, a better deal to get a winger of kind of the same elk. But I didn't really I didn't realize Kapanen was so good defensively. So that's definitely something that I'm gonna have to watch out for because, um, yeah, just when I think of him, I don't think of defense. I do think of like him being such a fast player. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't know if he was, you know, the best player they could have gotten for that line, because, I mean, they did yeah. make that, that move pretty early. Um, I, and I know a lot of people are upset about the first-round pick, but you have to figure that, you know, this window is not going to be open that much longer. Kapanen can help them now. Whoever they would have taken with that, you know, first-round pick a couple of years away might be, like, at the very end of, you know, the Crosby-Malkin era, so... They're really in a win now. They've been in a win now for a while. I just think, you know, once this core is gone, they're they're yeah. gonna be, you know, not a great team. So, you know, just yeah. saving up those first round picks might make them a, you know, barely a playoff team versus maybe a lottery team. I just think it's more important to to go for it now than, uh, you know, save those picks. Yeah, that's fair. That's always interesting that uh, the win now versus like, you know, 
I just wonder when you look at it that way, like, I guess I definitely get the win now, but sometimes some of the moves that Rutherford has made, it's just, I feel like he's hurting the team more than he will. He's helping the team. So I I wouldn't say that for captain because I definitely want to see how this plays out. But in the past, there's been some moves that are questionable. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like, um, you know, the first Reeves trade, you know, getting Reeves and then then trading Reeves, it's like all the moves that stemmed from that and what Mm -hmm. they gave up versus, you know, what they, they kept like that. That's concerning. Like, yeah. I, I, I looked into it a couple, uh, like maybe a year ago of like taking up, you know, everything, you know, they gave up and then what they still have from that. And it just, it mm-hmm. just awful. I mean, so much, so many high picks and then also involved in that. Cause like that, you know, the, the Broussard trade was, you know, yeah. stemmed from that and like giving up, you know, you know, Philip Gustafson, a, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, good goalie prospect. I mean, that is definitely uh, something hurting the team. And I mean, Sunquist and you look at what he became. Yeah. Yeah, and that we've been looking for a, a third line center for how many years, right? And <laughs> <laughs> they had him. They had him. Yeah, yeah, and I mean hindsight is is twenty twenty, right? But I just feel like the biggest thing for me with that Reeves trade, and not to just like think about the past all the time, but it's just like the the ideology of the team and like what what how they won just changed, right? It was like speed, skill, youth, like mixed in with like obviously generational talent. And then it was like, well, no, we want to hit, we want to fight because Tom Wilson. And it was just like, I mean, obviously that's probably not the main reason, but (laughs) (laughs) like, it was like one fight with uh, Tom Wilson, Reeves fought Tom Wilson. It was like, but all these years of suffering. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, he he just never fit in. It was never the right move. Yeah. Not um, not at all. But, uh, you know, speaking of, the past, right? Teams <laughs> now know that they need a scoring third line. And obviously I feel like the Penguins kind of like were at the forefront of that, of having just like a really successful third line because of consistency and just the skill of the players on the third line. With the current roster that the Pens have now, who do you see on, like, who do you see on a line that could be dominant and uh, a game changer for the Penguins? Yeah, so the the third line, Rutherford said is going to you know start out McCann, Jankowski, Rodriguez, um, and I I like that to start. I know Jankowski. If you look at his numbers, people think you know he he really did drop off offensively last year. He really didn't put up that many points, but if you look at what he did before that, I mean he is capable of it. And if you look at you know, the underlying numbers between, you know, that went into how he played last year, the way the Flames deployed him really changed. Um, they were putting, I think he had like, he was one of the, the Flames forwards that played um, the most ice time against other teams' top players. So he had a really hard, you know, mm-hmm. level of competition. Um, his line mates really dropped off. He, 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 he wasn't playing with very good players. And the Flames um, put him out there a lot. Um, uh, a lot of his starts came in the defensive zone. He really didn't start in the offensive zone that often. So he wasn't deployed in a way that would get him a lot of offensive uh, success. They used him in more defensive role. Um, I mean, if, and if the Penguins are looking for, you know, that third line to be putting up points, I, I mean, he can do that. Um, he's capable of it. And I think if they deploy him in a different way, um, they'll see the results. And then, that also allows McCann to be moved to the wing and he is better suited for wing than center. So I think that'll be good for him. And I mean, Rodriguez, he he really did look good in um, the end of the regular season before things Mm -hmm. shut down. And he was one of the players that impressed me most in the, in the restart training camp. So I like that third line. Uh, And I also think that it's a third line that they're all in roles that they're best suited for. Because if mm-hmm. you look at like the third line, like in against Montreal, it was really just all the leftover players. You yeah. know, like the first yeah. and second fourth lines were pretty much set, and then they had Marlowe, McCann, and Hornquist, and then they're like, oh, there's nowhere else for them to play, so they had to put them together. McCann in a role he's not suited for. Marlowe really shouldn't have been on the team at all. Um, <laughs> so the third line really struggled. I think this is. It's an actual third line, not just players 
you know, crammed together that have to play a third line role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Oh, go ahead, Christy. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were about to say something. Um, so that's fair. I think I definitely agree with you. I feel like with the Penguins, the third line, like I mean, if it's not HBK, the third line kind of is the leftovers because mm-hmm. obviously your top two lines are Crosby and Malkin and then whoever best fits with them. And then um, the, I can't believe I'm blanking, but it's like um, Bluger, uh, Tanev, Tanev, and, and, and Aster- yeah. yeah, like or that line. Left, so, yeah. yeah, they solidified themselves as like a dominant fourth line, if you can, like, you know, quote unquote fourth line. So I feel like the third line is always going to be the leftovers, but that's fair. Because when you look at Jankowski's numbers, I mean, the Flames in t- in the twenty. 20- the 1920 season and the 1819 season are just completely different teams, right? Like they were a much better team then. So I do hope that that third line gets a little bit, is able to be able to create more chemistry because I I do think that's helpful. And you're right with McCann on the wing, that is best for him. So we'll have McCann. Yeah. He he just really, you know, because the center really has to be more responsible defensively um and be more of a playmaker and and he's just not that I, he, he's better suited at wing and um I mean he just had to play center you know because yeah. no one else really could but um yeah I mean I think it'll be good for him to even move to wing so um, uh, another big question mark or I guess it's not really a question mark but it's it's definitely something that I think people on the outside are skeptical is it's in goal right so <laughs> Jari is now we would assume the starting goalie and public opinion on Jari has just been up and down, right? Like, so why do you think fans should be confident in Jari as a starting goalie? And on the flip side, why do you think they should be concerned? Yeah. I mean, the confidence I think just comes from, you know, what we saw him do last year when he was really at his peak, he just seemed to be getting uh, better and better as the year went on. And then he had, you know, he put together that, that shutout streak. So we know what he's capable of. Um, I think the concern would just be that, uh, you know, last year it was really a one, a one B situation with him and Murray, um, splitting a lot of time, uh, pretty evenly in the regular season. But I mean, now, you know, he's the guy, you know, that it's going to be him and probably Casey to Smith and Casey to Smith, you know, can't take as much of, of the workload as, as, as Murray did. Um, so, I mean, and you figure it's going to be a pretty condensed schedule. That's a lot of playing time for him. And we don't know how we can handle that because it's not something he's ever done before at this level. Um, so, you know, it, it could wear on him. Uh, it just, you know, you have to just wait and see. We really don't know. Yeah. So to piggyback off of that, like, did you think it was a good, it was a good thing that the Penguins traded Murray and Jari or did you think they should have kept Murray and traded Jari yeah I mean Jari is the the goalie of the future and he is cheaper right now um than than Murray Mm -hmm. is so um I think I think Jari still might have a higher ceiling and you know they really have to ride that where and you know I don't know what what other moves that they would have had to make if they would have had to fit Murray's captain over over Jari's. So I'm fine with them making the decision they did there. That's fair. Unfortunate, but fair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, Murray, Murray was a really nice guy. Like, uh, he, you know, he was always pretty short in his post-game, uh, you mm-hmm. know, interviews and all. But talking to him at practice, he was a completely different guy. Very, very friendly, very nice guy. And you know, I hope he does well in Ottawa. Yeah, same same here. Uh, definitely, like, Christy and I aren't the biggest to Smith fans, so that burns I, to see him back with the team, but it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have so many, like, they're going to let in so many shorthanded people. <laughs> yeah, he and the Smith, I mean, when they sent him down to Wilkes-Barre last year, he was, like, really bad at the start. It was just everything was off. His timing was off, making bad decisions. So I think that really hurt him mentally, sending him down. Like, because I mean, he he's, he talked out. Yeah, I mean, he was not expecting that at all. And he did do do better as the season went on, and really did put together um, a pretty good season. But you know, 
it, he, he can't be a 1A, 1B. So yeah. Jari, I mean, his workload is going to be a lot higher than it was last year. And that's kind of concerning because, like you said, it's a condensed season and there's going to probably be a lot of back-to-backs. So um, it'll be yeah. interesting if Sullivan decides to go with Jari back-to-back or, you know, start to Smith more than um, they would have if it was a regular 82-game season. Yeah, and I mean, that that's something that happens a lot in the minors because, I mean, uh, like AHL, they play three, three and threes like Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday. And a lot of times you will see the number one goalie play, you know, two, two of those games in a row. Um, so, I mean, like Jari, Jari has done that before. It's just been a while and a, you know, a lower level. So with everything that we talked about, um, do you think the roster right now is better than the roster that lost to the Canadians in the qualifying round? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do. I think two of the biggest um, areas of weakness in that series were, the the third line and the third D pairing. You know, I already yeah. talked about the the third line that um, it's not really just a bunch of players not suited for that role crammed together. Mm-hmm. Now, like they are actual third liners suited for that role. So I think on paper the third line should be better than it was. Um, and then the the third the third D pairing. I mean, Johnson <laughs> and Phelps, it, it you know it was a a liability paired with like an offensive defenseman who really lost the ability to score wasn't scoring as much as he had before um and we talked about Matheson and CC they're not without their flaws um and you know CC like I said he really just didn't make a big impact positively or negatively he didn't hurt too much he wasn't that much of a liability um and Matheson is a very good player. Um, one of the criticisms of him is uh, his decision-making kind of, uh, he can turn the puck over a lot, you know, just lose the puck, but he is, you know, fast um, offensive defenseman. I think, you know, both of them together should be better than what the third pairing was before. And, you know, those were really two of their, their biggest weaknesses, I think. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um <clears throat> So Pierre Lebrun recently just talked about how the Sabres and uh, the Bruins are now in the Pens division and Carolina and Columbus are out, which I'm happy because I'm not the biggest Columbus fan. <laughs> but with that said, um, do you think this affects where the you think the Penguins are going to be projected in their div- in their division? Yeah, I mean that that's really tough. If you look at like the the alignment, the the proposed alignment, you know, not, nothing's set in stone yet, but the 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 Penguins division is the most difficult division, mm-hmm. I think. Um it's hard to say whether or not they're a playoff team just because we don't know what the format is. Um if, mm-hmm. you know, if there's going to be wild cards or um I mean it's really we really don't know anything about what the format might be. Um, but I mean, I don't think they finish ahead of Boston, uh, Washington, maybe Philly. Um, Islanders are going to be pretty tough. Rangers good if you know Lafreniere really makes an impact and you know Kapokaka steps up. I mean, you're probably looking at them fit- finishing somewhere in the middle of the pack in that in that division. I mean, it's it's going to be really really competitive. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. And it, it sucks that Boston's in the division with them because it's just like another team that's ahead of them pretty much. Even if I know they have question marks on defense, if Charles going to come back or anything like that, but still, I mean, that's tough because like you said, the Metro by itself was already a tough division and then kind of putting in Buffalo. And then who even knows with Buffalo with like Taylor Hall, because like some of the, some of the games the Penguins played against Buffalo, they didn't do well. So and yeah, that was without Taylor Hall. So. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that was their what their the first game of the season last year, I think, and yeah. it was just really awful. Like the, yeah. their opener last year was awful. Um, yeah, Buffalo is such an an interesting team. Um, you know, and they were right on the cusp, I think, of making the mm-hmm. playoff, like the expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, if Taylor Hall can can you know turn them around, they're really they they could be they could be tough too. Not great, yeah. but um, <laughs> getting to some no. future Penguins, right? So who do you think could make the jump to the NHL first out of uh, P.O. Joseph, Cam Lee, or Sam Poulin, I think, or Poulin? Poulin. Poulin, there we Poulin, go. yeah. Um, so P.O. Joseph and Cam Lee, they're both left-handed defensemen, mm-hmm. so they'd really be 
competing for, for the same spot. And out of those two, I mean, Pio Joseph is more ready just because he has had, you know, an actual year in the AHL. Um, I talked to Mike Vellucci after the, the AHL season ended and I asked about um, Joseph and he, Vellucci said he thought Pio Joseph was ready to make the jump after the Christmas break last year. So he thinks uh, he thinks Joseph is ready. I think he is, too. I mean, just watching him really smooth skater. Um, I mean, he was playing top minutes in Wilkes-Barre for, you know, the latter half of the season. Um, good passer. He quarterbacked the power play. Um, I, I, I think he's ready. And I know a lot of people with him talk about his size because he is uh, very skinny, <laughs> if you look at him. Um, but something Vellucci told me was that, um, you know, he didn't put on any weight from training camp to the middle of the season. But you know, they do strength testing. Mm-hmm. And from um, the start of the season to, to the mid-season, when they did the mid-season testing, no one put on more strength than Joseph. So the oh, number wow. on the scale stayed the same, but he, he said his leg strength, like, doubled than what it was before. Um, and, I mean, another off-season of, of training, he could at least, you know, put on more muscle, too. I know he's back in um, – Tam- he's spending the off-season in Tampa with um, his brother – um, and I know he said going to Tampa last off season was really um, big for him and putting on actual like weight. He added 15 pounds last off season um, just from working with Matthew's trainer. So I'm assuming he's doing that again. I mean, he, he's been down there for, for a while now. So, I mean, that should be good for him. But again, I mean, he's probably only going to be a midseason call up just because there isn't really a spot for him. Um, Poulin is tricky because... He's not eligible for the AHL yet because you have mm-hmm. to be in your 20-year-old season to play in the AHL. Um, so for him, it's either you know NHL or back to juniors. And he's obviously too good for, for juniors, but there isn't really a, a clear you know full-time spot for him in the NHL roster. So, I mean, something they could do is let him play a nine-game tryout you know, to start the season. His contract won't kick in, and then they can send him back. So I think, you know, to answer the question, I think Poulin might play in the NHL first just because I think they they will give him that nine-game tryout to start, um, even if, I mean, you know, they're, they'd have to send him back later on. And if he fares well in that in that nine-game tryout, um, you know, if they're hurting later in the season, so you can't normally dip back into your junior pool and bring those guys back after you send them there until you get to your third emergency recall situation. Mm-hmm. So like an emergency recalls when you don't have, you know, uh, the 12, four 60 or, or two goalies. Um, so if that happens three times, like the third time the season, then you can dip back into your junior pool and the penguins you, with their injury luck, um, <laughs> they, they do hit that third emergency yeah. recall situation. So I think, you know, pool could, uh, you know, play that nine game tryout to start. And then if they're hurting later on in the season, um, bring him back. So, um, I think, yeah, he might play first, but um, Joseph, if the spot opens, I mean, he he's ready. That's so interesting. I thought you were going to say Cam Lee. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's harder for the two defensemen because there are a couple of players uh, ahead of them, especially mm-hmm. with them both being left-handed defensemen. And Matheson is also a left-handed defenseman, and it's not like the Penguins aren't going to play him. But um, so many people were really high on the Lee signing. And the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, it seems like, and I mean, this probably isn't true anymore, but it seems like Sullivan likes the collegiate players or mm-hmm. just because they've played and um, mm-hmm. longer than, you know, those who have came from juniors to the AHL. So I thought Lee would definitely have a step up. But after you explained it, I could see like I would not hate it if the Pens had uh, Pauline up for the nine games just to try it out and see. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm high on Lee, too. I, I think he's good. I just think, um, you know, coming in, especially with, you know, the long layoff between, you mm-hmm. know, college hockey now. Yeah, that's uh, true. It'll be good for him to just have extended time in the AHL. He is playing right now in Europe, but he's in um, Slovakia. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a low, you know, level European league. Yeah. He's putting up, like, uh, a point per game over there. He, I mean, he's an offensive defenseman. That's not the greatest league that he's playing in, but, you know, yeah. he really... For loaning, you know, North American players to Europe, there there aren't many options for them because, like, the good leagues like Finland and Sweden have import limits. So 
he, I, I think it's good he, he is over there playing. He's just yeah. playing, uh, you know, against competitive teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. And, like, that's – I mean, I know that – I know he came from Western Michigan University, mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know if they were that good. So I didn't I didn't know too much about him. Um, just that Western Michigan was kind of like so so. Wade Allison back, and that's when they like they started winning a lot more games. But um, I didn't real like it's weird to see their point production in college versus like you said like a um, a lower level league because I'm shocked that he's a point per game player. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like oh in college I don't think you were, but it's fine. So that'll be interesting. Um, but keeping like Camley that we talked about is an undrafted player, I believe. So the mm-hmm. Penguins seem to have a ton of success signing undrafted players. Are there any signings that they had this off season that you're excited for? Yeah. I mean, other than Lee, I mean, the other two off season, um, you know, undrafted guys they signed are, are, I mean, really good signings. I mean, Drew O'Connor, um, mm-hmm. forward, they signed, um, out of Dartmouth, um, I mean, I'd put him as their, you know, number two forward prospect right now after Pullian. Um, mm-hmm. I know both uh, Patrick Alvin, who was, you know, director of amateur scouting, now is the assistant GM, and, and Todd Reardon, they both of them said that they think O'Connor could see uh, NHL time this year. Wow. I mean, probably as a midseason call-up. Um, and then he plays, you know, both wing and center, so that mm-hmm. versatility should help him, you know, any spot that opens up uh, at forward. Um, he could probably step into and I mean he's a big guy 6'3 200 pounds um, and he only he's young he only played two years at at Dartmouth Um, but in those two years he scored um, 38 goals in 64 games and in that span that two-year span um, that's the third highest um, amount of goals from any college uh, player so I mean he was one of the top college around and they got him um and he's a good skater good hands too um I know his uh college coaches said a lot of good things about his hockey IQ and you know just his vision um I mean so that that's big and then uh the other one uh, the defenseman Josh Maniscalco out of um ASU uh, I mean that that was big just because he's a right-handed defenseman and they they really didn't have any right-handed defensemen before him, like in, in mm-hmm. the system, the prospects. They only had two, um, Will Riley and Santeri Irola, both seventh rounders, nothing really to get excited about. But, I mean, Maniscalco mm-hmm. really is. Um, but, and, you know, you figure with him, he's not competing with, you know, probably P.O. Joseph Lee Regla for a spot because he he's a righty. And, um, I mean, ahead of him on the right-handed uh, depth chart, it's really only – you know, Rui Dill and, you know, maybe Trotman uh, competing for a job, you know, so I think he could uh, see time depending on, on how he adjusts. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a big guy, two-way defenseman, um, puck-moving defenseman. Uh, and I know when I talked to him, he said he really likes, you know, jumping in the, forward in the rush and joining the play and um, creating offense. And um, I asked him which forwards he really tries to emulate. And he said, you know, John Carlson and Chris Letang. So if you're looking for a comparison, um, that's what he tries to play like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice. I didn't even know about um, Joshua, but I did, I remember the Drew O'Connor signing and I was surprised uh, that the Penguins got him because he was really good in college. And like, mm-hmm. it's not easy to be a point per game player in college. And he was mm-hmm. so that's really like we don't have a lot of prospects to be excited about, so it's good that we have some there. Yeah, um, the the Maniscalco thing is cool because because um, I mean, he went to ASU and mm-hmm. um, Mario Lemieux's son Austin played it at ASU. And when I when I talked to Maniscalco after he signed, and I said, did um, <laughs> did you know Austin make a pitch you know to get you to sign? He said, oh yeah, he told me if I if I signed with the Penguins, we could play golf you know together. Um, and then, you know, cause, cause Mario would go to a lot of ASU games to watch Austin. And I asked him, I said, did you talk to Mario at all? And he said, Mario called him and made a pitch. Like Mario wanted, <laughs> you know, he saw a lot of Josh Maniscalco and, yeah. uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean that <laughs> he called him Mr. Lemieux. He's a Mr. <laughs> Lemieux called me. And, um, and he said, you know, it's hard to say no to that, but, um, I stamp of appro- approval from Mario. That's not a bad thing to have. Not at all. Yeah. So, Wow. So I 
I wasn't, uh, I don't know how I like let this slip out of um, the questions that I asked, but what were your opinions on the the new, I guess they weren't hirings, they just were promotions within the Penguins organization. I know a lot of people um, were excited about them. The coaching staff? Um, not the coach, um, in the front office, I'm sorry. Oh, so like um, Alvin, like being put yeah. into it. Yeah, I think, I mean, just because he was their, you know, director of amateur scouting. Um, I, from listening to him talk and, I mean, director of amateur scouting, he was, you know, played a big mm-hmm. role in bringing in, you know, a lot of those free agents and um, the guys in Europe. And, I mean, they've had a lot of success that way. So, I mean, um, you know, I trust him. And, you know, he, the um, assistant GM manages like Wilkes-Barre too. And, um, he's a good guy to have for that just because he knows he knows them them so well. Um, and then I know what you're like, uh, Sam Ventura is going to have like a more prominent role. It sounds like, too. He's, you know, their, their analytics guy, which is yeah. good to see them, you know, maybe using that a bit more. But, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Uh, Alvin, he seems like he seems like a good guy. Yeah, that's I was definitely excited about the Ventura promotion just because like maybe we won't have any more Jack Johnson esque <laughs> signings. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and I know other, you know, writers maybe, you know, criticized it like, you know, they don't they're not gonna listen to the analytics guy. If they listen to the analytics guy, you know, Johnson would have been in, in the first place. But um I mean he's there for input. He's making he's not making decisions himself. All he's doing is providing more information, which definitely mm. can't hurt. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like that's all that that's all analytics is there for is just more information. So I, I don't get why people would rather have less than more, but okay. Yeah. It's not like an either or like, you know, exactly that or the eye test. It's you know, sometimes um, you know, the analytics back up what you're seeing on, you know, mm-hmm. with your eyes, or sometimes the analytics might make you um, you know, some guy might have, you know, really good uh, defensive numbers that maybe don't catch your eye, um, mm-hmm. you know, at first with the eye test, but then you look more at what they're doing and then you see why those numbers are the way they are. Exactly. <laughs> so we will see how the Penguins do. But Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Was there anything yeah. that, you know, you wanted to talk about that we didn't ask you? No, I think we, we covered a lot. <laughs> you know, pretty much all the prospect signings. Yeah, no. yeah, a lot of, lot of info there. So with that, we want to definitely thank Taylor so much for joining us. Uh, A lot of good conversation about the Penguins. We'll see what happens, see if this this season even goes as planned. But um, this was good preparation for the, yeah, like if they play or not. But um, it's interesting, definitely interesting to see how the Penguins start out and if what we think and what we talked about actually happens like if Kapanen is good on Sid's wing or if Jari can be the number one goalie all questions to um to keep track of so so with that we want to thank everyone so much for listening to today's show you can always reach us on twitter at where's underscore my underscore stick uh we plan to keep making episodes throughout the season if it happens so make sure you're subscribed Um, Tell a friend to listen and we'll be back next episode. Bye. Bye.